Our second scripture lesson is Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. We continue in God's Word. Hear this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the Word of the Lord. In the 8th century before the Christian era, BCE, Micah proclaims a message of accusation and hope. He reminds Israel of their relationship with God as part of the covenant. And he speaks to people who want to believe that their nation is secure and their capital city safe. He preaches to people who want to believe that God's unconditional covenant will provide a way out, a way of protection from nations around them about to invade. But instead, Micah announces that Jerusalem will fall precisely because Judah does not obey God's covenant. And this covenant was established after Israel's deliverance from slavery. It required Israel to maintain justice precisely because it experienced grievous injustice at the hand of Egypt. Well, Micah preaches not only accusation but hope, and our reading this morning remembers a way of life that is part of Israel's hope for better days. At the beginning of the chapter, we're in a courtroom scene. And the mountains and hills serve as jury, and God asks Israel to defend itself. And God reminds Israel of its deliverance from Egypt. And the scene changes. And Micah begins a litany that leads the reader into communion with Almighty God. It is a liturgical scene. And in our reading, Micah tells Israel nearly 29 centuries ago, here's what we do now. Here's what we do now. Micah presents questions as they are as if they are in a worship setting, almost like we have been. What will please God? Will young calves please God if we if we sacrifice them? Will several thousand rams please God? Will great amounts of oil please God? Will sacrificing our firstborn for the for our own transgression and sin, will that please God? Of course, all these are rhetorical. And then he says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I take us back to this passage because of everything happening to us and to our world. Our day is anxious in light of recent violence in Boston, NBC is reporting that the bombs used have the blueprint of Al-Qaeda devices. 
But it's also anxious because of different ideas about gun violence and how divided we are on this matter. Our day is also significant because the vitality of the fellowship of this church is appreciated by all of us here. That's why we're here today. Yet we do not all vote the same way or think the same way or support all the same causes. However, there is a reality greater than all our differences. For we are a fellowship of the Spirit. We are a fellowship of Jesus Christ. We are a fellowship of the Creator God. And our unity as well as our love and care for one another is essential not only to the ministries we offer, but to our own health and well-being as a family of faith. You see, we need a way to keep the main thing the main thing, as Alec has said. We need wise words about what we do now, and Micah offers it. For example, Micah tells us his words are not new. They are vital to our life as a community of faith. We need to understand these words. We need understanding. We need their balance in our life together, and we need some kind of consensus about how these words work for us. So let us begin to consider three different ideas about this important verse, this familiar verse in Micah chapter 6. First of all, we need understanding about what these words mean. According to one biblical scholar, doing justice is a dynamic concept that calls on God's people to work for fairness and equality for all, particularly the weak and the powerless who are exploited by others. Doing justice is to right the wrongs that many simply accept as part of life. I grew up in a day in the South when there were segregated schools, segregated movies, segregated cemeteries. And today we are not completely there, but sometimes I pause in restaurants where people of all color are gathered And I am particularly grateful for civil rights leaders and workers who are willing to address wrongs that many simply accepted. So, these days we need to understand what it means to do justice. Martha Rollins and the ministry of Boaz and Ruth seek to do justice by building bridges between East and West Richmond, Black and White Richmond, modest and upper-income Richmond, so that together people can build a different kind of city. Ben Campbell and Richmond Hill seek to do justice by being a community of faith who lives and prays and reflects on the city's past and seeks to influence its future. We cannot understand just doing justice with just two simple examples and a few words, but we can start again here. Loving kindness is a key element in marriages and friendships and in the human divine relationship. The Hebrew word hesed, that has been preached about and addressed many times in this place. We used it this morning. God's steadfast love endures forever, we said several times. This Hebrew word has to do with love and loyalty and faithfulness. And Micah remembers God's people are called to love kindness. Some seem to love revenge these days more than they love kindness. 
Some people love getting even more than they love kindness. Some seem to love setting people straight more than they love kindness. Some people seem more concerned about retaliation than loving kindness. Kindness does not draw attention to itself. Kindness is quiet. Kindness can be obscure. I suspect it is often underappreciated. It only changes the world slowly, kindness does. And it is understandable that retribution and vitriol make a more noticeable statement. But God's people have always been called to love kindness. Walking humbly with God is appreciating life's journey with God in a way that is careful and wise. Do you know anyone who walks arrogantly with God? I suspect you do. What is it about religion that makes some people think they've got it? They have it. They own it. Perhaps you've seen, as I have, the bumper sticker, Got Jesus? The first time I saw that, I realized it was a cute imitation on Got Milk. It only seems to, to try to make people wonder about the good news of God. I think bumper sticker religion tends to press its message into our awareness. But walking humbly with God, in my mind, is a different notion. Walking humbly with God is careful. It is wise. It is reverent. Walking humbly with God takes the journey seriously, but doesn't wear it on the sleeve. Walking humbly with God is open and responsive and vibrant because we seek the Holy Spirit who teaches us to pray and believe and love. We need to understand what these words mean and hearing me spend a few minutes trying to address them does not begin to give us what we need. We need to understand these words, justice and kindness and walking humbly with God. But not only do we need understanding, secondly, we need the balance of Micah's words. Micah tells us his words are not new and they are vital to our life as a community of faith. This ancient combination of justice and kindness and relationship has always been vital to Israel's life and to ours. There's a balance in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking carefully with God. They provide a life-giving way by reminding us of particular gifts of God. In my opinion, as a pastor, sometimes it would seem that those interested in doing justice may forget kindness and faith. The business of challenging the powers that be is difficult. Ask anyone who's ever tried to challenge the status quo. Ask anyone who's ever tried to challenge City Hall or the legislature. Ask anyone who speaks in favor of something most people do not want to address. Most are resistant to change, even us. Even we are resistant to change. Many see the inequities the prophet sees, but are unwilling to do what is necessary to challenge the majority. Who is willing to take a stand against the majority? Most believe it demands superhuman single-mindedness and focus, and such notions can sometimes keep God's people from the balance of kindness and relationship. Sometimes it seems that those interested in faith tend to forget doing justice. How do you encourage anyone to believe in God? It it, it may take a life devoted to inner realities, unseen truths, eternal convictions. It's a way of life devoted to sharing the good news. It's a life devoted to encouraging people to take seriously the God revealed in Jesus Christ. 
And this exclusive focus can sometimes keep God's people from addressing the wrongs that innocent people face. And this focus can keep us unaware of suffering in the world. Vital to our life is God's people is remembering that all three fit together and make possible effective life and ministry. I once heard Jim Wallace, the creator, one of the co-creators of Sojourner's Community in Washington, one of the the editor-in-chief for many years of Sojourner's Magazine. I heard him at Princeton Seminary. These Sojourner's Community is a community of Christians seeking to identify with the poor by becoming part of a solution in their midst. And I asked him, what can the suburban church do to be faithful? And he said this to me, the suburban church must find those who are suffering and seek to address their pain. So it is with the church in the city. So it is with the church of Jesus Christ everywhere. We value taking the side of victims because of the compassion of Jesus Christ. And our life is one of righting wrong and doing kindness and finding our strength from God who loves us all. And doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God gives balance to the life we seek as God's people. Finally, not only do we need understanding and balance, we need some kind of consensus about these words if we are to take Micah and the Scriptures seriously. Last Sunday, Brian Blunt called us to be apocalyptic Christians. He called us to an outrageous sense of urgency. He asked you and me to refuse to look at our humble lives as insignificant He challenged us all to play the part of life's production that God wants us to play. He invited us to live life as open and acceptable and full of power and compassionate. He asked us to resist. He asked us to learn God's trash talk. He called us to refuse to give in to what He called status quo demonic reality. Now how can we do that unless... We somehow address this together. Unless we talk about and think about and reflect upon the life of faith together. Micah calls Israel, and the Spirit of God is using those words to call you and me once again to a life of faith, a way of life. Now as a church, we take seriously this way of doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God. We value worship. Here we are. We value worship as a congregation. Worship is central to the life of this congregation. We also value education. Tony Robinson, the UCC minister and church consultant, has called for a change of name from Christian education to Christian formation. The the conversation we have as people of faith, the studies in which we engage, the ideas we consider shape us and form us They are critical to these efforts at arriving at some kind of consensus about Micah's call to life. We value ministry in this community to those who are hungry, to those who need encouragement in learning to read, to those who have loved ones in prison, to one another, and even more. And consensus does not always mean that we agree with one another. But Micah says, He has told you, O mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. 
Now, we need encouragement from one another to keep this main thing the main thing in our life. We need one another believing these truths are valid for all of us. This morning, we return to ancient truths for our life together. We go back to to Micah to consider what it is we are to do next. We want to understand what these words mean. We seek their balance. And we hope for a consensus as we grow together. This week, Alec and Matt Bates, the minister at Centenary United Methodist, begin an important series about gun violence. Many would call their effort an important one. Others may disagree. But I believe it is important we participate and remember Micah's words. They offer us wise truths about what we do now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, let us pray. Loving God, we come before you often to consider ancient truths. Enable us, Lord, to love one another as you have loved us. Enable us in the fellowship of this congregation as sisters and brothers, as people of spirit and faith and life, as those who pray we believe help our unbelief. Lord, enable us to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. To that end, we gather here, and we keep praying as Jesus teaches us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.